Today on Ag News Daily. A lot of times we get busy doing the things we need to do every day. We get our heads down and we really don't know why we're doing something or why maybe we're farming or how we, why did we get into this business in the first place? What's my end game? Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily Podcast. I am joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how is your Thursday shaping up so far? Um, I have been working on my grad class literally all morning, and I am ready to pull my hair out. Perfect. What class is it? <laughs> it's called Research Methods in Ag Education and Communications. Yeah, that doesn't sound very yeah. exciting. Mm-hmm. So I could tell you all about quantitative and qualitative research. Good. Good. Well, I yeah. suppose if you're going to be in this business, it's good to know how to research and what kind of research you're going to be doing. and. Yeah. Normative and prescriptive and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Yep, that's what it seems like. Well, so once you get that finally behind you, what are you doing after that? Does your day get any better? Um, I have my Summer Bags League tonight. Summer Bags League, what is that? Yeah, what some are, people call it bags, some people call it cornhole. Oh, gotcha, yeah, cornhole, okay. Yeah. So you're tossing bags at the sandbags or beanbags at the hole in the other person's plywood ramp yes interesting yep. now are you guys on a uh, you guys on a streak you say this is how long you've been doing it um we played last summer too and last fall and we've only won like two games total gotcha so we're really terrible okay well you've got room for improvement yeah That's it's it mostly for like. the social aspect i gotcha Everybody sits around, probably sips tea and talks politics, I would imagine. Yeah. Talks mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things. Big picture yeah. stuff. Yeah. Good. Oh, of course. Good. Good. All right. Well, that's exciting. And tomorrow we're going to be headed to Des Moines for the Red Power Roundup. Mm-hmm. The biggest uh, international show in the country, I believe, or in history, I think. But we'll get all those details tomorrow. That's right. And as we reported a few, maybe it was just last week, actually, cases celebrating their 175th anniversary. That's right. That is correct. Yeah. Um, let's see, Delaney. So today we're going to be talking to Terry Johnston. We're going to talk about peer groups in agriculture and uh, what that looks like. But before we get there, should we talk about the news that's impacting our industry? In the world of Brazil, we have more news coming out now. The European Union has, they issued a audit back in May to look through Brazilian facilities, check out the meat that was going on down there. And on June 7th, uh, this is published by Bloomberg, they obtained a letter from the European Health Commissioner, and I'm not even going to attempt to say their name because it's... Maybe it looks Slavic, but anyway, so the European Health Commissioner wrote a letter uh, to a Brazilian, I think it was maybe their PR or health code person, uh, saying expressing their concerns about the safety of Brazilian meat, and so we will see what shakes out about that. They're worried, you know, about buying Brazilian beef now, and just what will go on further. And the EU is no longer accepting Brazilian shipments of horse meat because the audit found serious shortcomings 
related to the traceability of supplies, hygiene conditions, etc. So still waiting on what they found for beef. Hmm. No more horse meat from Brazil mm-hmm. to the EU, huh? Right. <clears throat> Where is IKEA going to get the meat for their meatballs, I wonder? Ew, they use horse meat? Well, that was several years ago, folks. I'm sure IKEA has cleaned it up. But yeah, several years ago, a number of IKEAs in the European Union, uh, their their meatballs tested positive for uh, horse meat. Ooh. Yeah. Anyhow, well, as long as we're on the topic of safe beef, the BPI, Beef Products uh, Incorporated, and ABC, they've been suing, BPI is suing ABC for the, basically, BPI accuses ABC of defamation, which is a very tough thing to show in a court of law. Basically, you have to prove that the media company intentionally set out to lie about your product, however they defamed you. Well, on Wednesday, there was a fellow that testified. His name is David Thino, Thino, and I apologize, Mr. Thino, if that's incorrect. Um, He is a, a beef expert. He's a ground beef expert. He's a microbiologist and a meat scientist, and he testified on behalf of BPI on Wednesday. And he said that ABC reached out to him because he had worked with BPI on creating the Lean Finely Textured Beef product and wanted to know his thoughts on it. And he told them, you know, it's a, it's a safe product, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's healthful. It's blended, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff. And the producer, a man by the name of Jim Avila, who was putting the story together, told him that he didn't know what he was talking about and he was a shill for the company and hung up. So then Thino called him back, you know, thinking maybe the call had been dropped. And the producer dropped the F-bomb on him and then hung up. And uh, the Sioux City Journal reported this story. They're doing a great job covering this lawsuit. Check them out. And uh, basically, they are. This this does not look good for ABC. Let's put it that no, way. No, I would say not. Yeah, and um, basically, this case could be the damages could be as high as 5.4 billion dollars. Billion. Billion Oof. with a B because BPI had to close three of their plants after the the pink slime story aired. And uh, cast aspersions on that beef product. So we'll keep an eye on it. Hmm. All right. I have some dairy news. Um, Gallagher's Dairy Co., which is a um, Pennsylvania processing company, said that they're going to stop purchasing milk from 11 dairy farms because because of an oversupply of milk. Gallagher's currently buys from 85 dairies. And so uh, the company says that they've seen milk production increase 10% while sales have actually declined. So they said they can't take on this many milk processors anymore and they're going to have to drop those 11 dairies. And a 30-day notice was given on Monday. So they have 30 days to find a new distributor. Jeez. Yeah. And this is just this is just supply and demand. This isn't any yep. export restrictions. Nope. It's just we're getting too good at uh, coaxing milk out of these cows, it sounds Mm -hmm. like. That's right. So everybody, go eat ice cream, go drink some uh, whole milk, and let's pound it down. Let's help our our dairy-producing brothers and sisters. I just have to say I am doing my part because I eat ice cream uh, almost every single night. And you've upgraded from skim, correct? Yeah, now I drink 1% or 2%. Perfect. We'll get you on the whole one of these days. Then you'll be... Absolutely not. Whole milk is so good. Oh, um, 
I don't know if I told you this, my little sister puts half and half in her cereal. Yeah, we should do a Twitter poll and see what other people think. Yeah, I mean, I think 2%, it's a fine compromise when whole isn't available. But whole milk, it's got <laughs> all the nutrients. It's got that fat, which helps keep you from getting Alzheimer's. It's a very, very great product. Let's see. Other news. Well, okay, since I was talking South Dakota earlier with that BPI lawsuit, let's take it back to South Dakota. Yesterday, a judge, a federal judge, ruled that the Dakota Access Pipeline needs further environmental review. And this merited a lot of comments. Bernie Sanders has tweeted about it. A lot of folks have tweeted about it because, of course, it was against the Dakota Access Pipeline that those so-called water protectors set up that camp on the Missouri River last fall into winter that then the state had to clear out with with dump trucks and, you know, front loaders because they had left literally millions of pounds of garbage. Um, But the federal judge ruled yesterday that the environmental review for the Dakota Access Pipeline was in part inadequate and has to be reconsidered. But he did not order the pipeline to stop the oil that is already flowing through it. That project started shipping oil right around the 1st of June. And he says the Army Corps has to go back and reconsider aspects such as the impact of an oil spill on fishing rights, hunting rights, or environmental justice, which, what does that mean? And the degree (laughs) to which the pipeline's effects are likely to be highly controversial. So we'll see what this looks like going forward, but right now it is being touted as a victory for the the Standing Rock Sioux and... um, Oh gosh, I apologize, folks. There was uh, there was another Sioux tribe that was part of this lawsuit, and I have I have lost their name. And uh, Standing Rock and Cheyenne River Sioux were the the two that have uh, pressed this suit. So we'll see what happens going forward. Okay, well I have some news coming out of China. China announced that they are going to open the largest animal vaccine company in the U.S., which is going to be in the Kansas City Animal Health Corridor, and I looked up what that meant. The Basically, the Kansas City Animal Health Corridor is between Columbia, Missouri, and Manhattan, Kansas. That, is, that stretch sits the largest concentration of animal health companies and interests in the world. So China will be uh, making their own facility called Jinyu Biotechnology Co., to put up a research lab and offices in Manhattan, Kansas. And they announced that the groundbreaking will start in July, and the company hopes to begin operations in 2018. Okay. And so once that is open, will that increase that percentage of of animal health and pet food uh, experts in that corridor? Or is that 56% with that company already in place? I think it's the 56% is already what is currently concentrated in that area. Wow, so it's only going to climb. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I don't know why that area is considered the best place for Animal Health Corridor, but well, that you've is got, it. Uh, Manhattan, that's, that's K-State, right? Yes. Yes, so you've got a lot of uh, animal health experts right there at, at K-State, and you've yep, got that's true. You know, a long history of working with animal agriculture in Kansas City. The mm-hmm. Casey Stockyards were there. I I believe Purina is in Kansas City headquarters. There's a, there's a Purina facility in St. Joseph, which would be yeah, n- just up the road. North. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a couple different 
facilities in Kansas City. I'm trying to think of what's there. There's like one little area kind of by the river. I can't think of what's all down there, though. Okay. Well, uh, that is interesting. Always good to have a collection of experts, especially, you know, close at hand here in the Midwest. So we've got mm-hmm. 56% of animal health experts in that corridor. Cedar Rapids, yeah. Iowa, is the largest corn milling hub in the world. Man, the Midwest really has a lot going for us. It does. Uh, as a as a global player in the world of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Well, we've also got some other news. There was, uh, there was a report, but there was also the fact that the U.S. dollar climbed to its highest rate in June just after hitting, yesterday, seven-month lows. So the dollar is strengthening. The Fed tightened interest rates, raised interest rates, I should say, yesterday. That caused a lot of traders to begin to back the dollar again, which, of course makes it a little more difficult to, uh, for us to ship ag products around the world. But we will see if the Fed raises rates again. We were expecting, the trade was expecting one or two more rate hikes, but they might not happen given the fact that inflation does appear to be slowing down um, as oil prices continue to drop. In fact, Delaney, here in Grinnell yesterday, I guess I didn't look today, Gas prices for a 10% ethanol blend were a buck 89 a gallon. Really? Yeah. That's not bad. No, ethanol or E85 is usually like a dollar cheaper. Well, it's usually about 30% cheaper. Well, I know, but I just go by dollar amount when I'm paying at the pump. Oh, so it's either got a one or a two in front of it. That's all you look at? Yeah. Do you fuel with the 85? Because yours is a flex fuel, isn't it? Um, Yeah. No, my last vehicle before this one was, but the one I have now is E15, which is still usually like 20 or 30 cents cheaper than yeah. like unleaded or super unleaded. Right. I love, we've got E15 in a couple places in town and that's my, it's my favorite fuel. The come and goes. That's what I always look for because they generally have E15. Exactly. And that's mm-hmm. what we need to do. We all need to get out there and... And burn some corn in our gas tanks to uh, <laughs> shrink down these ending stocks. Oh, goodness. Well, Delaney, do you have any other news we need to be aware of? Yes, I do have one last story, which I tried to save the best for last here. It was Wednesday, so just yesterday, the first shipment of U.S. boxed beef has made its way to China. And yeah, so the Greater Omaha Packing sent their first load of boxed beef to um, from Omaha to China on Wednesday. Perfect. Coming out of Greater O, that's going to be quality product. I've bought a lot of ribeyes from Greater O and uh, that's excellent. That'll be a great introduction of U.S. beef. Yeah. So Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts said Nebraska is the country's top beef producer or top beef processor, as well as beef exporter, and China is the second largest importer of beef in the world. That's so, interesting. I'm surprised yeah. Nebraska outranks Kansas as a beef mm-hmm. processor. Yeah, huh. I know. I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, very cool. Well, should we take a look at the markets and see if that shipment had any positive impact on uh, the trade today? 
Yeah, let's check it out. Well, let's take a look at the grains, Delaney. We do have some green on the screen there in the corn pit. July corn closed up two and a half cents to finish at three seventy nine and a half. New crop December corn up two and a quarter, closed at three ninety seven and three quarters. In soybeans, old crop July beans rose three cents to finish the day at nine thirty four and three quarters. November beans up a nickel, finished the day at nine forty four even. In wheat, another big move to the upside, really being driven by spring wheat as we're concerned about that crop getting burnt up in the Dakotas. But even the Chicago wheat contract, July, up 10 cents, up 10 and three quarters to close at 4.53 and three quarters. December wheat up 11 and a half cents, finished the day at 4.90 and a half. Now, over to livestock. Did that shipment of beef do anything for the trade? No. June live cattle dropped $2 today. We're continuing to watch that downtrend that we established earlier in the week after that weak trade on Tuesday continues to happen. Cash trades were reported today in the range of 126 to 128. So we are seeing cash begin to drop down to futures, and that, of course, uh, was a negative fundamental. So June live cattle down $2, closed at 122.50. The August contract only down 37.5 cents to finish at 117.50. In feeder cattle, a bit of a reversal. August feeders up 95 cents to close at 147.07.5. September feeders up 70 cents to close the day at 146.40. In hogs, the July lean hog contract dropped 52.5 cents, closed at 82.05. August lean hogs down a buck 47.5, closed the day at 78.92.5. Looking at milk, June class 3 milk climbed 2 cents, finished at 16.33. The July class 3 milk contract dropped 13 cents, closed the day at 16.48. Well, Delaney, those are the markets, and we are seeing quite a bit of tough sledding in the world of agriculture. Folks are worried about uh, how they're going to improve their business, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, isn't it? Yeah, we are talking with Terry Johnston, who is at HTS Ag, and he's really going to talk to us about this new idea they've come up with. Well, not really a new idea, but the idea of having producer and farmer peer groups. Okay, folks, good afternoon. I am here with Terry Johnston from HTS Ag. And Terry, let's see, you and I have known each other probably five years now and gotten to do some, some fun stuff together. Tell me a little bit about what you do there at HTS. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Mike. Um, I've been with HTS uh, all going on five years now and um, uh, have served a number of different roles uh, currently Um working as a territory manager and also as the marketing manager for HTSA. So now territory manager, is that just uh, Iowa? Do you have a set number of counties? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, I'm working for uh, with mostly the eastern part of the state, um, and then we've got some, some folks covering uh, the western portion, and, and then we do spill out into kind of the bordering states as well. Uh, being around for 20 years, uh, we have gotten a lot of customers uh, from around the Midwest. So we, our reach is, uh, is getting bigger all the time, Mike. Now, Terry, tell our listeners what HTS Ag does. I know there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle, but can you give us a general overview? Yeah, so uh, HTS is, uh, has, has many different products and services relating to technology and agriculture. Uh, one of our main uh products and services is around Ag Leader. Um, 
so uh, we've been with Ag Leader almost uh, from from their uh, start uh, there in the mid '90s. So everything from uh, you know from yield monitors all the way through uh, planter sprayer operations, steering, and that sort of thing. So uh, that's part of the business. Um, part of our um, uh, technology reach is in the grain management business, both on the grower and the commercial side. So we sell the OP grain management system. This allows producers to, uh, or commercial grain operations, to monitor moisture and temperature in their grain bins, also control their fans uh, so they can do a good job of, of uh, conditioning the crop and then keeping it in good condition uh, until it's marketed. Um, we also work with DJI and Drone Deploy, so we sell the DJI drones and Drone Deploy software and um, also 360 Yield Center products, and, and so um, – we're kind of uh, all things technology as it relates to working with growers uh, with, in, in that regard. Well, now, Terry, you left something off the list, and it was something that uh, I really, we really were excited to talk to you about today, and that was the idea of grower peer groups. And I know that you've been working with HTS to facilitate different groups of farmers from different areas to come together and talk about the business of farming, not just the their business that they're working on every day. Can you tell us a little bit more about what, what that means? Yeah, you got me there, Mike. It's not really a technology-focused uh, uh, service that we provide, but you're right. We, we uh, in the past three years, have been putting together grower peer groups um, with producers that are interested in, in – really taking a, a deep dive into their business and figuring out uh, how they can get better, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, um, what they should start doing, stop doing, uh, continue doing, those kinds of things. And so we put together groups of eight to ten producers um, uh, geographically scattered out so that we don't have uh, competitors uh, in the room. We meet four times a year for two days. And um, so – some, there's some similar things we do each meeting and some different things. Uh, some of the things we do each meeting is, is kind of give an overview uh, of our business for the past quarter and kind of what's important for the next quarter, what we've accomplished, uh, what went right, what went wrong. Um, so there's a lot of information to be gleaned there. And, and, of course, it's very valuable to stop and take a look at our own business. Um, but it's also very valuable to have, uh, you know, several other sharp operators in the room um, reviewing your business and helping you learn and grow. And so there's a lot of information sharing and, and learning from mistakes and successes. And we even do a best practices sharing each quarter. So um, each operation brings their uh, one of their best ideas that they've integrated into their operation to maybe be more efficient, save time, um, uh, increase uh, revenue, uh, increase yield, those kinds of things. And so uh, those are some of the things, of course, talk about marketing, um, uh, you know, all these operations are really in some form of transition from one generation to the next. So that's obviously a hot topic. So yeah, Mike, it's just a great time to get together and, and, uh, learn more about our own businesses by looking, taking a step back and looking and then, uh, you know, also, uh, getting perspective from others in the group. Are these peer groups a year long, Terry? Yeah. So, um, there's no there's no uh, set time as far as the link as a, a, a peer group might stay together. Uh, our first group is now uh, starting year four. Wow! Uh, so uh, we've pretty much had the same guys uh, and gals in the group from the beginning. We've added two or three operations over time, um, and so 
uh, and we meet every quarter, and they don't miss a meeting. Um, and this is something that, that we put on the calendar um, at each meeting when we're going to meet next, and uh, people realize the importance of it and the value in it, and so uh, uh, we have we have great attendance records uh, from the folks that are in the group, Delaney. Mike, forward me this um, article from you about why join a peer group, and in there I think you mentioned a lot of farmers are intimidated or nervous about competition or the mindset of joining a peer group, so what feedback have you received from producers or growers that have either joined a peer group or have just maybe been interested in poking their nose around a little bit? Yeah, so um, that is a true statement. Uh, producers uh, can somewhat be on a bit of an island um, uh, in the way they do their business. They want to they want to uh, uh, maybe not necessarily have the neighbors know what is going on in their operation. They don't want to share maybe intimate details of successes or failures or new ideas or things they want to try. So what this peer group does is, is give them a safe space uh, to be open, to be honest, to be authentic, uh, you know, to, to, to have some great conversations and know that it's going to stay in the room and, um, and you know, it's not going to be part of the uh, coffee shop gossip uh, the next, you know, <laughs> the next mm-hmm. day in the, in the cafe. So um, a lot of benefits of that. So the guys in the room have, have, have definitely shared that they really appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to uh uh, you know, share ideas and, and uh, work together with others to, to help each other get better at what we do um, and, and have, you know, have privacy doing it. Um, uh, it's hard to share sometimes for, you know, for any individual, uh, but it seems like farmers especially. And so this gives them a unique opportunity to do that in a very safe space and in a very real way and, and you know, benefit from it. So, so we're, that's, that's one of the things. And, and, and while farmers are maybe unique in that way, the fact is that this formula will work in any industry. Mm-hmm. Um, our sister company started these peer groups um, uh, over 15 years ago, HTG, uh, in the IT space for managed services providers. And, of course, there's peer groups uh, in almost any industry um, around the world. And so uh, they are proven. They do work. Um, and it's a great place to learn and grow with others um, who have a lot of the same goals, aspirations, and and um passions that you know that we have now terry i want to take it back a step as we're thinking about who would benefit from joining a peer group i imagine your answer would be pretty much everybody is that right yeah i would say so um you know we kind of talked about uh, uh what's in it for somebody that's in a peer group but and why join it but but that is true um just about anybody that's that that has a business is a small business owner um, has something to gain um, by learning and sharing and growing with others. So um, this allows, you know, them to do that. So um, depending on where you're at in your operation, uh, some people um, maybe just want to increase revenue and maybe not acres. So they're looking at, at good ideas on how to do either reduce cost, uh, induce inputs, reduce inputs, or increase yield. Uh, some people want to grow acres. Maybe they want to grow livestock. Maybe they want to uh, start a trucking business or, or a seed business or uh, maybe an agronomy business that, you know, to sprout out of their farming operation. And so, um, you know, th- these are great opportunities for, for people to learn uh, how to do that. Um, so that's definitely a, a person that would benefit from something like this. Um, and um, if somebody maybe just wants to get better in a certain area, uh, maybe it's agronomy, maybe it's marketing, um, you know, maybe it's um, uh, land acquisition. Uh, th- those are things that, Seems like of the various folks that are in the room, of course, we all have different uh, strengths 
and, and knowledge bases. And so learning from others and sharing uh, is one of those things that almost anybody can benefit from. I mean, let's, let's face it, we can all get better at what we do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, it's, uh, and if you want to get good ideas, man, to, to have uh, eight, 10 really sharp operators in a room and they're sharing their best idea every quarter. Um, what a great learning experience. Um, that's one of the, that's one of the most popular things we do each quarter. How, how do you keep it from becoming, and excuse the, the crudeness of this, how do you stop it from becoming a, a peeing match? Let's say that. Or a, or a measuring contest of sorts. Is it, is that something that you have to, as a, as a facilitator, actively try to tamp down or when when folks get together as long as there isn't that natural you know neighborly competition as long as they're from a diverse enough geographic area does that just kind of go away yeah well you know what my granddaddy used to say mike if it's true it ain't bragging right (laughs) (laughs) but um you know uh, hey, listen. These 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 folks are are pretty humble uh, in the beginning. They're they're all a, a success in their own right. So um, most of what they're stating and talking about is fact. And and um, you know we have producers um, uh, from from you know m- maybe a thousand acres all the way up to several thousand. So um, there's a lot of diversity in the room. Everybody's looking to help each other. Of course, everybody's looking to get something out of for themselves. That's that is uh, um, you know. Uh, part of being uh, in, the, in in the group. That's just a benefit of that. So, uh, no, it, we, we don't seem to find that as a uh, as an issue. Um, as far as competitive goes, we do goal setting uh, each quarter, and uh, that does get competitive. We get we get emails and texts flying around saying, "Hey, I got my project done. Did you?" Or, "I got all my goals done first or or whatever. So, a little competitive nature actually isn't a bad thing. Right? right. You're using that competitive spirit to motivate people, which is yeah always positive exactly one of the great things about the peer group is accountability we you know we're if you say you're going to do something we expect you to do it in the time frame that you say you're going to do it in and so uh you get raspberries if you don't (laughs) (laughs) now one of the things you mentioned early on when producers get together they they share their best practices their ideas for best practices tell us a little bit about how that works because there is a, a neat little piece of competition in there as well isn't there Again, yes, we do. We do take advantage of competitive nature. Um, uh, we we have everybody present their best idea each quarter, and they each operation throws twenty dollars in the pot, and um, and then we each share our idea, and then the group votes, and the uh, the number one uh, choice uh, gets the pot. So again, friendly competition, um, and um, it, it can be. Some of the most simplest ideas to some, you know, some things that are quite complex and and uh, everything in between. So yeah, some some friendly competition there for sure. Now, Terry, could you give us a taste? What is the? It is there a best practice idea that that stuck out the most for you? What could folks, you know, expect to gather from a meeting like this? Is there one you remember that that jumps out? Um. Yeah, again, there's 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 some that that people share. Maybe it's a spreadsheet they put together for managing uh, grain loads or uh, uh, fuel in, in the equipment and writing that down and making sure you keep a good tally of it. Uh, one of them was uh, one of our producers had um, SOPs for each operation or each function within his operation, which is a standard standard operating procedure. So, for example. Um, 
uh, he put together a list of everything you need to do uh, to be a good grain cart operator, for example. So he puts that list together and, and um, uh, laminates it, puts it in the cab. So no matter who's in there, they know um, what the procedures are, how to start, you know, the equipment. That sounds simple, but, hey, a lot of us need extra help spring and fall. Uh, did the same thing for the semis, did the same thing for the grain bin unloading procedure, did the same thing for, um, you know, the sprayer operation, uh, combine operation. So all those things so that everybody knows the right way to do things each time. And so um, that was something that uh, ended up there. And, and what's kind of cool, Mike, is we keep a database um, that's available only by the peer group members and everything from each meeting goes into that. So you can kind of go back and use it as a reference uh, idea or library, uh, and so all of those, all this information is there, and and folks can go back and look at it anytime. And so um, we've got a nice repository there of great ideas and good information and presentations and information from guest speakers. And so, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Terry, if there's such diversity in the groups, do farmers need to be traditional grain and livestock farmers to be part of the groups, or do you have any unique? farmers that raise like specialty crops or animals that would also benefit from joining a peer group? Yeah, you know what? All the above, Delaney. If we had a, if we had a, a specific uh, demographic or geographical person uh, that we could target to get in these groups, it would make things a lot simpler. <laughs> but the <laughs> fact of the matter is every farming operation is different. So um, we've got folks from all different types of backgrounds, all different types of, of geographical areas, of course. Uh, some have livestock, some don't. Uh, again, some have a, uh, some other type of a business that they're operating or work in town um, um, or uh, the spouse works uh, off the farm. So, yeah, I, I would say they're as diversified as, as one can imagine. But, again, um, all of them having the same goal. They want to produce the most per acre or the uh, greatest rate of gain or the lowest cost of production or, you know, <laughs> um, uh, the best weed control or whatever it is. And so... Um, all of these things um, uh, in, in many ways make them different, but the same. So it's kind mm -hmm. of an interesting, uh, interesting uh, question. The final question I had for you, Terry, was what benefits or uh, returns have you seen from these peer groups in, their, in the producers' operations? So I, I would say um, I've seen a marked difference, especially in group one that's been together uh, the longest in the way uh, in around focus and clarity. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times we get busy doing the things we need to do every day. We get our head down and we really don't know why we're doing something or why maybe we're farming or how we, why did we get into this business in the first place? What's my end game? Um, and so this really allows people to take a step back and figure out why they do what they do um, and uh, and how they can do it better. So I would say focus and clarity is, is, is something that people have you, – you get a really good idea of that and how people – Everybody involved in the operations fit into that and how to play on strengths um, and and um, uh, make the best of weaknesses. And so uh, the relationships I've seen get better uh, amongst uh, the group and the other folks that's involved in their operation. And then I would say also uh, execution. Um, it was a little hard at the very beginning for people to come up with goals um, and, to, and to figure out what does that look like? What, what's a good goal? What, what's, what kind of a goal should I set? Um, and so we give them some parameters about the fact that it needs to be measurable and, and it needs to be uh, something that they can accomplish um, in the next quarter. And so um, you, we, you've seen a lot of, of increase in, in execution against goals 
and setting good goals and really making progress and, and being able to put a stake in the ground and say, okay, I've come this far since the last meeting, and, and so there's a lot of satisfaction in that. Now, Terry, before we let you go, for folks that are hearing about peer groups for the first time, they're interested in the concept, could you tell us how they could get a hold of you? Do you have any groups that you're accepting for now? Do you have room to start more? What's uh, what's the future look like? Um, yeah, all the above, Mike, actually. Uh, we have uh, a group that we're starting right now. Um, this coming meeting uh, next week, actually, will be our second meeting. And um, we would probably have a couple uh, openings for that group. And then we, we will gladly start as many of these groups um, as we find interest in. Um, HTG, I think, is up over 30 groups now, uh, our sister uh, organization. So um, we would gladly uh, take anybody that's interested and, and sit down and talk with them and, and kind of go through this conversation again, but, but based on their own experience, their own operation, um, what, how it would benefit them and why they should join and um, they can certainly uh, give us a call. Um, we have a toll-free number. It's 800-741-3305. Um, check us out uh, on the web at www.htsag.com. And then follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can get a hold of us uh, uh, there very easily. Perfect. Now, we need to let you go because, Terry, not only do you facilitate peer groups and manage the territory for HTS, you also put together a podcast that we've got to let you go and do. Tell us uh, what that podcast is called and where people can find it. Yeah, so um, we do this uh, with KSOM, which is a, a radio station um, over a bank based out of Atlantic, Iowa. Um, and then we also uh, put that podcast on our website and other places, social media, and so forth. And we do a lot of what we're doing right now, and that's just talking about uh, the different things that we and our customers are engaged in. Uh, of course, we talk about new products and services, special offers, uh, things that are going on in the industry, new technology. Uh, and so we do that every week, and they can hear it Friday morning on KSOM, or um, they can uh, check it out on our website as well. Perfect. Well, Terry Johnston, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, and we hope you have a fantastic weekend. Yeah, thanks so much. You guys, too. Appreciate your time. Thanks again to Terry Johnston for taking the time to talk to us. And, Mike, weren't you thinking about joining one of those peer groups? Yeah, yeah, I would certainly love to. The the, the problem that I've wondered, and Terry and I have talked about it, is the fact that, you know, I'm not I'm not a great farmer. I'm just not a, not a top-quality producer. <laughs> but his emphasis on the fact that everybody has something to bring to the table uh, really made me feel feel fairly confident. So hopefully, yeah, I will be able to uh, participate in a peer group going forward. Well, you've got stuff to bring to the table. I suppose. I don't know what it is, but, you know, if they'll take me, I'm willing to learn from everybody else. Well, I've you pay a lot of attention. You pay a lot of attention to the news and politics and markets, maybe more than some other farmers. Maybe. So we'll see. Hopefully I can bring yeah. some value. But, uh, but yeah, I know I've got a lot to learn. You know, maybe somebody will have some insight on how to keep cows inside. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they haven't been out today. Knock on wood. Good. All right. Well, tomorrow, as I mentioned, we're heading to the uh, Red Power Roundup. So we'll be talking to uh, some international enthusiasts tomorrow. Uh, green guys, continue to listen. You know, we'll, we'll talk John Deere going forward. And after that, we move on to next week, a whole new week, lots of new opportunities. Things are changing. Things are going to be good. Right, Delaney? Yeah, I think so. 
folks, check out our website at agnewsdaily.com. Find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search Ag News Daily. And be sure to uh, rate and review us on iTunes. With all of that, in the back, in, in the rearview mirror, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.